Trusting with Kerry Jones. Hi guys, and welcome to this week's podcast. Last week, I was covered in the Bank International Final at Garnfrood, doing the photography for the Welsh Salmon Trout Association. It was a great event, and probably the closest result for some time, with Ireland taking gold narrowly, beating Wales into second place, with England third, and Scotland in fourth position. I catch up with the Ireland team manager, chat about their tactics and flies which brought them success. He himself has over 40 years experience as a competition angler and has gained many achievements over the years at national and international level. Welcome to my chat with Campbell Baird. Hi, thanks, Kerry. Hello, Campbell. You all right? Yes, all good. All good. Are you at the fishery? Yes, I'm at the fishery now. Have you got anyone braver in the weather? I don't know if it is. No, but... no not today. <laughs> oh, it's the same year. It's absolutely horrific here today. Yeah, yeah, we're the same. It's very, very windy. So when exactly are you then? I'm Carrickfergus, County Antrim. So probably 10 miles from Belfast. Is that where you were originally from? Yeah, yeah, that's where I've, I grew up here. Well, I grew up in Belfast, but moved whenever I was three years of age. All right. So, we'll chat more about the fishery in a minute, but there's one thing yeah. I've got to start it off by saying congratulations. Thank you very much. <laughs> Quite a final, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was very good. It was a, a fair final. You know, the, the fishing was tough, but that, you know, that's good. The pegs were all very fair for everyone. Um, it wasn't heavily stocked, which which is great. It made for a much better match yeah, rather than an out-and-out stocky bass. Yeah. So, no, we, we thoroughly enjoyed the fishing. It was testing at times, but sure, that's what fishing's about. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, have you been there before to Garnfrood? Yes, I was in Garnfrood probably maybe eight years ago, for the Bank International as well, as part of the team. Oh, right, right, yeah. How did you do yeah. then? And we didn't do very well. We didn't do very well. Oh. I think we were, we were third. Yeah, but we, we didn't do very well. So you, you made up for it this time then? <laughs> it was different this time. I was going to, because I was there covering the event for well, Salmon and Trout, and I, we, I was, you know, I didn't have a chance to speak to you during the day, and in the night I thought, right, we'll have to get together and chat. But yeah. we had a few too many creamy ones, and things got out of, <laughs> out of hand. And I left, and I think you actually were one of the late ones. You stayed there with Jamie Miller, I think, for a while. I'm always the last one. We, we <laughs> always... <laughs> <laughs> Even if I can't see, we're still the last one to leave. It's traditional. Well, you had, a, you had a good excuse to do it anyway, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it was great. It was great. And it's good after the match where you can have a good chat with people and discuss tactics and see who yeah. was doing what and what worked best. And that's what it's about. Yeah. 
So did you come with a plan? Um, no, we didn't. It's difficult to go with a plan until you actually arrive. Yeah. Um, whenever we arrived, we arrived two or three days, well, two days before the other teams. Um, she came on the, I think it was a Thursday or the Friday. Right. So we had the lake pretty much to ourselves for the first day and a half, which, yeah, it's good. It's good because it lets you see what's, you know, it lets you see how easy the fishing is to start with the with the fresh stockfish. Yeah. And whenever Jamie was saying had said to everyone that he wasn't putting in any more fresh stockies, so then you know the fresh stockies aren't going to last for five or six days. They're going to get hammered, and after two or three days, you're going to have to start and target the resident fish or the fish that have been in for a while. And that's yeah. exactly what we done. I noticed because I was walking around taking photographs and. You were fishing very imitative patterns and fishing very light. And I yes. fished, I fished yeah. fruit many times over the years. And it, it it can be hard, like any water, with a bit of catch and release because fish are put back and then they're more weary. But with the, the international, for the, was it, two or three practice days beforehand, there wasn't a peg free for them to, you know, to hide no. really. So hide. they were stressed, I guess. So you had to really, you know, think about things. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that is quite normal. If the lake had been stocked maybe a week or two weeks beforehand, and the fish do get hammered, and you know they'll only be caught a few times, and then they're starting to get wise. You know, people people would say about stocky rainbows are easy, and they're stupid old things and they'll take anything at the start any stocked fish whether it's rainbow or brown yeah will take anything and it is quite easy but once the wise up a bit and once it's been caught a couple of times and once just they understand what food natural food is rather than just uh rare and pellets um they do they do they do get they do get wise and we had uh we had to fine tune our our whole setups right down to basically river tactics four, five, six weight rods at the very heaviest and tippet material 0 0.12, 0 0.14, which is maybe four pound breaking strain at the very heaviest. At one stage I had went down to 0 0.09, which is probably about one pound eight ounce tippet material with dry flies just to see if I could catch them. And I could catch them. Um, playing them was a bit tricky. You yeah. could get them in, but it was going to be very difficult to go that light because you're going to have anglers either side of you. And if the fish takes a run to the left or to the right with that light of leader material, it's impossible to stop it. So yeah. you're going to end up impeding other anglers' fishing time, but also maybe getting tangled up and broken off. So we decided not to go for dry flies, but to just go for very small nymphs, uh, size 20 buzzers, just a single size 20 buzzer. Size 20? Size 20 apple green buzzer, yeah. Jeez. And a, a small, a small, like a pheasant tail nymph as well. Were you fishing that under a bung, or was it just free? No, no we, we started off under the bung, um, 
we noticed just at the start it was fine. You could fish the, the bung like a foam bung or something like that. But we noticed then the takes were getting very, very touchy. You could see the the bung just moving ever so slightly and then nothing. Yeah. So we knew we knew that they could feel the resistance of the bung once they were taking it because the fish are just cruising. They're very slow. They're taking the fly, you know, very slowly and just swimming on with it. So they were feeling the weight of the bung, so they were spitting the hook out or getting rid of it. So we ended up using CDC dry flies. So we're basically fishing dry dropper, as you right. fish or fish in the river, and that's that seemed to be our best method. It was very very fine tippet. Did you start using that method at the in the practice days as well, or was it throughout the week? Then you were thinking, right, we need to fine tune this. We didn't use it at the start. We just went for normal tactics, um, lures, cats, whiskers, all that sort of stuff, just just to target the the stocky fish. Yeah. Then after two days, I, I noticed a lot of carixa, and the carixa were coming to the surface as they do, pop out, fly, and then drop back in again. And I noticed in the in the calm conditions, a lot of the carixa getting stuck on the surface. And the fish were just sipping away at them. Did you? So, yeah, we switched over to a very slow intermediate line and a size 12 UV cruncher. And we, uh, we tried two flies and they seemed to be kept, they kept taking the point fly, which was well away from the, the fly line. So we ended up discarding the dropper fly completely and using long tapered leaders going down to 0.14 diameter and yeah. a single single size 12 UV cruncher. Yeah. And that's what 80% of our fish were caught on. Well, maybe 70, 70% on the UV cruncher and 30% on the single nymph. The fish were spread out, I noticed, as well, because up, up in the lodge you could take a look round and see them where people were catching fish. Um, it, yeah. which is good to see because in the past there's always hot spots especially with the draw being made because you did the draw as well for your team yeah. and everyone's yeah. thinking what pegs do you want what pegs you know you're going to uh, to avoid but they were totally yeah. spread out everywhere weren't they yeah it, did, it didn't it didn't bother me what draw we got this time normally you would be looking at good pegs because of a heavily stocked lake but because Garnford wasn't heavily stocked it actually made the whole lake fish much fairer and made for a much better competition. Yeah. I noticed. Yeah, I was there the day before, and it was flat calm, bright sun, and I, I didn't see hardly any fish being caught. And I thought, oh, no, you know, it was good. I was feeding for Jamie. And then on the international day itself then, the forecast was better. There was a breeze and a bit of overcast, so I thought there's a chance then, you know, of fish being caught. But when... When you all started, I was waiting. All right, you know, there's going to be some action straight away. Yeah. Very often the case, especially with gam fruit, I found more than any water. The morning always fishes best, and then, mm-hmm. but it did. It, it just slowed. It was it probably no one had. Well, I don't know if no one, but very few fish were caught in the first hour, and I thought, oh, it's going to be one of those days. But it soon changed. Yeah, yeah, it did, and that's that just shows that it's not fresh stockies that the people were fishing for. It was fish, that, you know, resident fish that maybe don't switch on early, early in the morning. They waited until the temperature got up a bit better and actually flies started to hatch off or yeah. started to move around. 
So that that would have been normal for a lake that hadn't been stocked heavily. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Did you have a mixture of fish? Because I know there's obviously the rainbows. They got some lovely browns in it and spartics. No, we didn't didn't target the browns or the spartics. Um, we hardly caught any in practice. Right. I would say they have. I'm not too sure about their feeding habits. Um, you know, whether they're a bottom feeder or not, and we hadn't we hadn't got enough time to try and work that out. So we we just we just targeted. We knew we knew there was a lot of rainbow trout in there, and we knew that there were good feeding trout once they were moving, and yeah. that's that's what we targeted rather rather than the spartics had because most of the spartics that were put in or most of the stockings a couple of weeks before were the spartics, but we I think we only caught maybe three or four over a week's period. Was it? So yeah. So whether or not our tactics didn't suit that strain of fish or whether they just hadn't switched on with the weather. I'm not sure. Yeah. Well, your team did really well. By lunchtime, you can say, in the first half, you were in the lead, I think, just, and we were close by yeah. the second. So we knew Only it was, just. Yeah, so we knew it was going to be close. Now, as regards, like, I know the, the, the Welsh team, individually, I know them all quite well. And but I was looking at your team, and very often the case with Ireland, they're more suited to loch style. But am I right in saying that? Because I know Basil, I noticed Basil was there. He's a definite loch style man, isn't he? So I was surprised. Yeah, yeah. Are the others the same? No, no. Most of them are still water, still water or river anglers. Um, we would have had three of the team have been on at least four other bank teams each. So no, there would, Basil would probably have been the only real lock style angler that we had. Yeah. The rest of the guys were river anglers or or um, all round anglers, but mostly still the water. You must have coached him well then, because he did all right. Basil's a great <laughs> angler. He's a terrific angler. If you explain to him what way to do something, he does it exactly the way you've explained it. You don't need to tell Basil twice. Yeah, yeah. He gets it one hundred percent right because he knows that it has to be right, yeah, and he yeah. has he had faith in me and he had faith in the other team members. You just point Basil in the right direction and he'll give you the goods. How long have you been manager to the team? This is only my second year being manager. Um, I fished maybe seven of them before as an angler, and even when I was an angler, the the managers were coming to me. As as the competition during the competition, they would come round and say, "Such and such is on peg six. What will I tell them to do?" So, I thought that I thought that it would be a better asset to the team as a manager rather than a single angler because I could I could read the situations of how the lake's fishing. I could make the calls of um, to changing tactics. Yeah. And as the manager stroke runner, you're able to go round the lake, uh, chat to your competitors, and give them give them guidance of what to change to. Did and I, th- I think that I'm better, you know, for the t- for the team result, I'm much that I'm much better suited in that role. Did you have to train? <laughs> <laughs> I, I would be quite active anyway. 
So, because you, I, I remember listening to you, you were saying how many miles you had walked because you got one of these, um, what do you call them, Fitbits or something, is it? Yeah, well, you know, you were you were constantly going around from one angler, one of one competitor to the next, to the next, to the next. Um, and they were nearly waiting on you coming, you know, what will I try now, what will I do? I were giving you information of how things were going on. And I after it was over, I checked my stepper. It was thirty-eight thousand three hundred steps, which was <laughs> nineteen point two miles. I was sore. I was sore for a couple of days after that. No wonder you had a few pints in the night then. <laughs> yeah, I needed them. But yeah, well, that's you know that's that's all part of it, and that's why I still think that I'm I'm a better asset to the to the Irish team as a manager stroke runner. Because yeah. I can give that quick guidance and change the tactics. Because no matter how much you practice and how many methods you have, it always changes on the day. Something happens, and if 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 the whole team isn't isn't switched on to be able to make that change, yeah. you, you could get left behind very easily. Yeah. Well, looking on from where I was, you could see that really it was between Ireland or Wales. Even though things could have changed in the afternoon. Um, because this, the, the the two sessions, I, I still can't get my head around the, these rules. To be honest, the way they work, but I, it was always going to be. I think even at the start of the afternoon, when Wales and Ireland started catching, it was going to be really, really close, and it was quite nail biting, wasn't it? Because it was probably one on the very last cast. It was. It was indeed. The way the place point system works is. All the anglers have to, all the anglers have to catch fish, or else you get an automatic um, twenty-four place points. So after lunch, we were ahead very slightly. Um, we knew that all our anglers only had to catch one fish each after lunch, and we had it. We just had to avoid a blank. And with half an hour to go, I thought that all our anglers had caught a fish. Yeah. <laughs> and w- because uh, one of the controllers said, yeah, yeah, he's, he's that guy over there has caught a fish. Because I was trying to work out which one of my guys had caught fish. So I went to him and said, um, what size is your fish? He says, I haven't caught any. <laughs> Honest to goodness, I, c- I could have thrown up. The whole world just fell apart. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, you're joking, aren't you? Because we would be quite a jokey team. And he says, no, I'm serious. So we were on one blank then in the afternoon, and I knew Wales had a blank in the morning. Yeah, we did. So, yeah, get into the very last minutes of the final session. One one of our guys caught, I think it was his second fish, or maybe his third, either second or third fish. And it was that one fish that was caught. He hooked it one minute before the, the final buzzer. That's right, yeah. And it was it was it was that fish that actually kept us ahead. It was a brilliant international. It was one of the the best as an outsider to look in, he was excited, you know, as well. Okay, it is, it is, especially with a, a small still water venue like that. For um for viewing anglers, it's unbelievable because you can see everything. You can see all the anglers fishing, you can you can watch their techniques, you can see them playing fish, you can nearly count how many fish each team there has does make it very exciting for viewing anglers. Yeah, and Gamfrood, because you got the lodge there and you got that veranda above, could you could 
Scott with a whole lake and look to see what was happening, which is quite nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's perfect. It's perfect. And as I say, it does make for for extremely good viewing. And Jamie really wanted to make this work for him this year because the, the last time he had an international day, maybe I should mention it to remind him, he's still trying to get over it. He had the wooden spoon. <laughs> so we had to make amends. But um, Di yeah. Jones had the... Um, yeah, he's the a top individual. Top individual, yeah. yeah. And then Reese then had the, the biggest fish anyway, didn't he? Which is nice to see. Yeah, yeah. so it was, it was great. And even... It was great to see the the two Welsh guys getting in the prizes. Yeah. Uh, but even whenever we were doing the waiting on the final results coming, we knew it was going to be close. And J- Jamie's a very good friend of mine. And I said, listen, Jamie, whatever way this goes, as far as I'm concerned, it's, it's a dead draw. I know there has to be a winner, but you couldn't separate the two teams. Imagine that if it was a draw. Wouldn't it be good to have like a sudden death and one hour <laughs> to go out to something and the... That'd we had to pick good. an angler. Yeah, we had to pick an angler, and they had to pick an angler. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're thinking of a new competition here. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's excitement, and that's what people want to see. Yeah, yeah. There were yeah. lots of fish lost as well on the day. I noticed, and there was a few choice words throughout the day by every team. I think every fish counts. Yeah, yeah. before before the before the competition, they're leading up to it. I said to our guys, if everybody catches two fish in the morning and two fish in the afternoon, we'll win it. And they laughed at me. And if every if the teams had a caught two fish in the morning each angler and two in the afternoon, either of the four teams, they would have won. That's how important it is to catch fish in both sessions. Yeah. And that's how difficult the fishing was. And in my mind, that's the way it should be because fishing shouldn't be you know, just catch a stocky, bring it in, catch a stocky, bring it in. You should have to work for your fish. Yeah, and yeah. that's exactly what Gonfrey provided. It was perfect. For yeah. somebody who's listening now, who's interested in the competition scene from Ireland, how would they go about it then? How do they, if they wanted to um, to enter the trials? To, yeah, it's dead, dead simple. Um, the, the trials are ran through Taffy, who are the Trout Angling Federation of Ireland. They have four provinces, Ulster, Leinster, Munster and Connacht. And in each province, they would have their fish-off, their qualifier. So all the anglers from, would go along, fish their qualifier. The top six from each province then come together and fish in All-Ireland Championships. So you would have 24 against each other on that day. And then the top six make the make the international team and number seven makes the reserve. So it's it's very, very easy to it's very easy to enter and we run the qualifiers during the winter time. Right. Because most of them are most of them are on um, rainbow trout water. So we would have our qualifiers between October and February and we normally hold our All Ireland championships in March. We've actually just we've actually just finished our Ulster qualifier two weeks ago here at uh, Woodford Fishery. So we have our teams, our Ulster team selected already for the All-Irelands. So it's too late for somebody if they wanted to fish it now anyway for next year. They'd have to leave it to the year after then, would they? Yes, they would need to leave it until the year after. Yeah. You had to wait a long time for this one, mind didn't you, because of <laughs> COVID. I think it's officially the 2019 International it was. It was, it was indeed, yeah. It was, it was. 
and with Jamie, I know Jamie had put a lot of time and effort in getting the fishery ready and then with COVID and then get, trying to get hotels booked and then again cancelled with COVID. So it was, <laughs> it was long awaited, but a great championship. And Jamie and all the staff down at Garnford put on, put on an amazing championship for us. Yeah, and the hotel was nice as well, wasn't it? I'd never been oh, there before. The hotel was perfect. Yeah, it was yeah. lovely. Everything was great. And it's not an expensive competition to fish. No. You know, compared to a world or a world championships or a European championships, it's it's half the price. So it's very affordable for for most people. If you're enjoying this podcast, please consider becoming a patron where you get access to over a hundred past episodes and weekly podcasts, plus photography and exclusive content, and a chance to win prizes each month. And for my Irish listeners, I have many Irish guests and content in my past episodes. Colin Folan, Andreas Ferreira, Jason O'Riordan, Ted Werry, Jerry Murphy, Peter Boyle, Keith McDonald, Dominic Kerrigan, Jackie Mahan, James Barry, Neil Darling, Jimmy Tarrell, John Buckley, Mark Regan and Dennis Cronin, just to name a few. As well as my own personal experience and my love for Loch Corrib and my passion for the Ferox. What better way you're spending a night's fly tying and to listen to some of these past episodes while sitting at the vice. To join, visit patreon.com forward slash casting with Kerry Jones or see the link on my website castingwithkerryjones.com. Going on to your background then, because you've done plenty of competition fishing, haven't you? When you were, when you <laughs> yeah, I have. I have. Um, gosh. Started in '52 this year, and I started competition fishing at 11. Right. So quite a long time competition fishing. Um, I started off individual competitions, just round the put and take fisheries, and then onto the the big locks of Ireland, fished those competitions, and then um, my local fishery here, Woodford and Carrick Fergus, um, Darren, the the old manager, he he put together a team. And we, it was a six-man team to travel to England to fish the likes of the Lexus Championships and the Anglian Water Championships. Yeah. So from 1998, probably to 2008, we fished fished in England probably 10 or 15 times a year. Fished down in Chew for the qualifiers and then up to Grafham for regional finals and then on to Rutland for the inter after the for the grand finals. So thoroughly enjoyed the team fishing rather than the individual fishing because individual fishing you've you've just got your own brains. You've just got one person practicing. Where if you're in, in a team of five or six anglers, you've five or six different anglers fishing. You can try five or six different methods and you've got five or six different brains. We're trying to give information and then work out the best method on the day. So I absolutely love the team fishing m- much more than the, the the individual fishing. Have you actually fished in Chloe, Dog? No, I haven't. I haven't. I haven't done any of the lock style championships. I've only fished in the the worlds, the Europeans, Five Nations, Commonwealth Championships, and the Bank Championships. So you do like the rivers as well. Yes, do the rivers. I only started river fishing about 2009. Oh, yeah. I, quali- I qualified for my first 
um, Warriors team in 2008 and I knew that I had to learn how to fish rivers. So I, I'm very friendly with some of the French guys and they invited me over to show me how to fish rivers, basically. The, back then it was the French Minton set up and things have progressed a, a good bit from then. Yeah. But they, they would have showed me how to fish rivers and in return they would come over here and stay with me for a week and I would show them how to fish rainbow trout waters or lock style which is something that they don't have an awful lot of in France so it was nearly a trade-off with a with a friend but yeah. it, it really did help the fishing so I love the river fishing as well and I would I would be as comfortable now on the river as I am on the lake. My heart is on a lake I'd rather be drifting on a boat on a lake than on a river because it's a different ball game altogether it is nice they both got their own thing but I gotta be honest on a drifting boat that's what I'd want to be yeah <laughs> yeah well I I probably grew up fishing mostly bank fishing up around the reservoirs here in Carrickfergus so it was all bank fishing I would have done at the start and then progressed on the lock side and then the rivers so what is the fishery and you've got then it's Woodford Fishery. Oh, it is Woodford, is it? Oh, I've it is Woodford. I didn't realise yes. it was Woodford. Yes, yes. I've fished here since about 1984. And a friend of mine, Darren Wallace, he ran the place for 18 years. He ran it you know, as, a, as an income. Um, but it just isn't sustainable as, a, as an income for, for a family. And he, he had to leave it and get a real job, as he says, <laughs> two years ago. Yeah, and rather than see the place closing, I said that I would take it on just to keep the whole fishery running. So I still work at a normal job during the day, and whenever I come home from work, I come round to the fishery and cut the grass and do a bit of weeding and do a bit of stalking and just chat the guys about fishing. Is it open throughout the year then? It is. Yep, it's open every day. Yeah, and it would be busy enough. It's actually as busy during the winter as it is in the summer because a lot of the the river anglers or salmon anglers whose season finishes, they would then move on to the rainbow trout waters during the winter. And what sort of size is the lake then? It's only about two or three acres. There are 29 fishing platforms the whole way around it. So it is it is quite small. Are there features on it? Is there an island? or a? a... No, no, there's no island. There's just drop-offs and different... Um, just different depths in the lake from one peg to the next. You could be using a completely different setup. Yeah. Um, it, it's a good thinking lake. Most of, most of the best stillwater anglers around have actually cut their teeth at this lake over the last 20 years. And that's partly because it wasn't heavily stocked and the depths change an awful lot from one peg to the next. Yeah. I tell you what uh, a lot of waters do around here in the week. Well, say a lot of waters. That each year, there's always one less. They yeah. seem to be slipping away. But And it's quite nice. Something I haven't done for a while, but this year I will be, is a lot of them get these like winter leagues or just fun competitions, yeah. really, you know. And they yes, have like, a Christmas uh, hamper or something. And that then is nice to meet up and still get that buzz and, you, and chats and meeting the crowd as well then, you know. Most definitely. We've had a winter league here at Woodford for the last 15 years, I'm sure. Right. And it's, we fish it once a month. So every angler will fish six rounds and you pick your best five rounds out of those six fish. And they become the 
the Woodford champion. And we also have a Christmas competition in memory of uh, Jimmy McBroom, who was a guy who, who worked here and passed away a few years ago. So, yeah, nice. we would have those competitions during the winter just to keep everybody out and about and a bit of interest. Did the team have a practice there before you came over here? No, we didn't. We didn't because Woodford isn't like Gonford. Right. Um, so there was no point really practicing on a water. Yeah, the thing is... It doesn't fish the same way. Yeah, the thing is you can do as much practice as you want and until you get practice days before the international really, isn't That's it? That's right. That's right. Things That's can right. change. I know you, you've done so much competition fishing. Where is it you go for your pleasure fishing? I believe it or not, I don't. <laughs> I don't I don't do any pleasure fishing at all. If I go fishing, I'm either practicing for a competition or practicing a method what for would, competitions what, leading up. Yeah, what would be the nearest, uh, you could say, the big named lakes? Is Sheila um, from you? Would that be no, one of the no. nearest? Yeah, well, you get a Sheila. You could go to Sheila in a couple of hours, hour and a half. Um, Loch Ull, Loch Ern, Loch Melvin, and then up to the Rosses Lakes in Donegal. So they're all within an hour and a half to two hours from me. Yeah. So it does. It doesn't take much to get you to get you down to the, yeah. the big lake. Do you go? Do you spend much time in the Western Lakes? Yes, I do. I do. Well, probably the last twenty-five years. We would have went to Loch Corrib for the duck fly for a week and then again for a week in the Mayfly. How did you do Beautiful. this year? We haven't been this year at all. Just with with a new job and taking on the fishery, I've hardly had a minute <laughs> to go away. Where is the, uh, the bank international next year? Next year is in Scotland. So I'm not too sure of the venue. I don't know whether that's finalised or not. So... Whether it goes an angler or whether it goes a manager, I'm not a hundred percent sure yet. Well, I did I did fish our our Ulster qualifier two weeks ago here and I was lucky enough to win it. And nice. so I've qualified for the All Ireland Championships and I'll probably fish them, but I'll make my decision before I fish them whether I'm gonna take the manager's job or an angler's job. You can't do both, I guess, no? No, it's impossible. You need somebody to go around and give the information or make the call for change of tactics. It, it's crucial. Because you, you, you were one shot, weren't you? Because other teams, they had the manager and the runner. Yes. You, you did both this year, didn't you? Yes. Well, the manager's job wasn't that hard, you know, where it was just, just getting everything booked and then um, getting the team tactics right. Did you tie for the team or you had a designated fly tie up? No, no, no. Everybody in the team brought their own fly tan stuff. Everybody had their fly tan station set up in their hotel rooms with lights and everything. And yeah. once we had it narrowed down to one, two, three, four, five, six patterns, then each person tied the one pattern, but enough for the whole team. I so go, you, yeah. go, going out on the the competition day. Everybody had the exact same flies. It, it is it is handy if everybody can tie flies. Yeah, and the consistency then, because one person might tie the fly differently than the other person. Exactly. So, yeah. Yep. If the likes of the dry flies, I would have been using the dry flies, so I tied them. The guy who was using the wee small nymphs, yeah. he tied them because he they were all tied exactly perfect. 
yeah, and that, yeah. that's important. Yeah, consistency, isn't it? Most definitely, most definitely. Yeah. And confidence as well, you know, because you know if this guy's been doing very well on that fly and yeah. he gives you the exact same fly and he tied that fly, that gives you all the confidence that you need. Where yeah. if you tied it yourself, you may think, oh, well, it's a wee bit too big or the proportions aren't right. Yeah, it's everything. Because if you don't catch with a fly, you know, you might change it. But if you know that is catching, then you'll yeah. stick with it a little bit more and then it'll pay off then. Absolutely. 100%. We had absolute confidence in each other. We yeah. had the complete trust of each other. If one of us told us to do something, it was done. It wasn't even questioned. And the, you need you need that team spirit, that bond where you can trust and rely on yeah. your on your teammate. That's vitally important. Definitely. Well, it certainly paid off. <laughs> well, hopefully it pays off again, but the venue suited us. Yeah. It suited us, it suited our style. So the competition scene is quite healthy over with you. What about the youth scene? The youth scene is extremely healthy over here. Um, within the Trout Angling Federation of Ireland, we've got we've got youth officers in each province, and then we have a national youth officer who's over everything. Right. Um, they, would, they would again run their youth development programs just to encourage young boys and girls to go out fishing and to stay away from Xboxes and just get them out into the fresh air. Yeah, yeah. Great great for their health, um, great for the environment because then you know, they understand why you shouldn't throw litter down. We would have qualifiers for the Youth World Championships and Ireland always sends a team to the Youth uh, World Fly Fishing Championships no matter no matter how far away it is. I've actually taken a few teams away. Oh, um, I was, um, yeah, I was the manager. Well, I was the manager for the for the twenty thirteen Youth World Fly Fishing Championships, which was held in Ireland, Stoke Northern Ireland, as a cross border event. So we had some of the um, some of the venues in the south of Ireland, and some of them in the north of Ireland, where I'm from. And I was lucky enough, we had, a, we had a good team and I knew the venues pretty well and the, the guys fished extremely hard and they came away with a silver medal, silver oh. team medal in the youth championships. Um, where else? I took them to Colorado, I took them to Spain. And if it wasn't for the youth officers and for the coaches within each club to actually get the young lads and train them to a certain level, they wouldn't have experienced going to a world championships, whether it's in Colorado, Spain, Czech Republic, France, Italy, Australia. They're certainly it's, growing over there then, yeah? Most definitely, most definitely. We've actually we've actually just started up this year in in my province in Ulster, um, a winter league again, just to keep them interested during the winter. So we would fish around four or five different fisheries throughout the winter and then we'll have a casting competition and um, a prize given after it. That's so it's really just to encourage them, yeah, yeah. Do you get girls fish as well? We do, we do. Um, not not as many as boys, but we do have, I would think over the years, maybe six, seven, eight, nine junior girls fishing the qualifiers. It does seem to be something that, that's really taken off. It's amazing you're making so much effort to take these kids and get oh, them yeah. into the sport. Yeah. You have to. If they're not going to come into the sport, it's, you know, as as a young person who doesn't fish, 
they would probably look at it and think it's boring. I would much rather sit in the house and play games or go go around to my friend's house and watch TV. Yeah. But you need to make it interesting for them. And once once you have them, encourage them, show them different techniques, get them around different fisheries. Like most of the young guys over here have been around the whole of Ireland now fishing, different wee competitions, yeah. meeting other other young lads from different areas and different backgrounds and building a friendship up. So you have people have to make the effort. You know, there's it's, yeah. there's no point saying oh they're dropping off or oh there's not the same amount of juniors now. You have to make an effort, and if, if we don't make an effort, nobody will, and that will be it. Yeah, the sport will be gone. And it's good for the health as well. You know, I, I can almost visualise like Tanya and Cheek. You see two different types of boys, right? Well, and girls. There'll be some which are pale faced who stay mm-hmm. in playing games, and yeah, there's yeah. a great suntan. Exactly, you're right, playing, <laughs> living a normal yeah. life. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, and you can see it. And the, the ones that are pale faced, they, <laughs> they, they, don't look he- they don't look they don't look healthy at all. No, that's not that. <laughs> they, don't, they don't look well at all. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you have to, you have to, you definitely have to make the effort for them and make it interesting for them. It's good for them to see the success the team has had as well. And it, it grows the confidence of them then to think that they're amongst some of the top anglers in the in the country yes. then as well. Yes, that, that that does that does help. It really does. There's so many things I want to talk to you about. I think we should have <laughs> an, another podcast just on you and your background and your competition fishing and how you started. There's so much I want to. Uh, my head is like a sponge. I want to get as much as I can <laughs> from you, right? Yeah, but, no um, problem. So we will have another chat. As always, I ask. One question to everyone before I wrap up, and I, I'm not sure what this is going to be, but where would you want to be to make your last cast? Loch Corrib, without a shadow of a doubt. Although I love Woodford Fishery here, but Loch Corrib is just, whenever you go there, you experience the Loch style fishing, you experience the quality of the fish, like they're, they're like leopards. The spots on them are so vivid. The insect life, the water quality, it's just the most perfect place in the world. And that's where I would want to have my last cast. I thoroughly enjoy chatting. I know you're a busy person and I really appreciate you taking time out to take this call. And, no problem uh, at all. We'll have to meet up next year now because I will be over at some point. If you're around, perhaps you'll we'll yeah. have a few creamy I'll ones few. together. Of course I will. <laughs> I look forward to that. Yeah. All right, <laughs> and we'll, we'll take care, Campbell. Thanks again for the chat. Not a problem. Take it easy. Cheers now. Bye. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. If you've enjoyed this podcast and want to listen to more, please consider becoming a patron while you will get over 90 past episodes and weekly podcasts, plus photography and exclusive content. To join, visit patreon.com forward slash casting with Kerry Jones or see the link on my website castingwithkerryjones.com Well, that's all for now. Tight lines and don't strike too soon. <laughs>